Welcome to the Marketplace Missionaries Podcast, where we integrate our faith with business. This is Kai Jeans with my good friend Donnie Swanepoel, and Keith is our guest. First time doing the intro, so uh, Donnie is still here, just to let y'all know he's not going anywhere. It's a different accent, man. Yeah, different accent, so uh, I, I don't know how many more intros we're going to get, uh, but uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, it was really cool, kind of, you know, after part one, we kind of just chilled and kind of talked each other and Keith kind of mentioned that and after he graduated from college he was super burned out just from swimming and it's been a big passion of, of his for so long and I kind of just shared a similar story of how I got burned out from rugby when I graduated from A-State and for a full year I didn't touch rugby ball I gave a bunch of my gear away I just became fat and lazy because I was so burned out and so Keith you had a you had a very similar story and we were able to kind of connect on that. And so if you don't mind, can I share a little bit about that? Yeah. So grew up, like I said earlier, swimming and swimming, brought it into college. And I mean, you're doing 20 hours plus a week. It just gets brutal. You know, it gets to where your love for the sport or the game is diminishing. And you're like, man, this is a job. So literally exactly like you, I probably went a year without getting in the water and working out. I was like, I'm going to lift weights because I enjoy that. And I don't even want to think about swimming right now. And, you know, I'm finally over that hump a little or I'm enjoying it a little more. But I think burnout is so real, not just in, you know, college sports, but in business place, you know, in managing work, family, faith, everything. So I think, you know, we can relate to that in a college sense, but I think everyone can relate to burnout in other aspects of their life. Yeah, I mean, I've that's, you know, that's, that's an Achilles heel of mine. I've had some, some bad burnout in the past, and uh, in 2015, I worked full-time. I was married. We had one kid. I did grad school, pursued an MBA, and I did downline. So it was just an insanely busy, and I was still doing ministry as well. But, dude, I got so tired. I would come home from work on a Thursday and a Friday, and I would play with Elmer on the ground. I would just fall asleep, just randomly just fell asleep on the mm-hmm. ground. And so, but from that, you know, it was a real challenge for me to learn and grow and how to how to set boundaries, right? Because from a biblical standpoint, our relationship with the Lord comes first, then it's our relationship with our wives, our kids, and then work. And so, uh, you know, I've got a big internal engine. Uh, I, I'm a high-performing guy for a higher purpose, but we have to set boundaries, right? Especially for a young guy like you getting married, the, over the next two weeks, man, that's going to be crucial for you to one, getting to know your wife, but then also growing alongside of her in this this new season of life as as becoming one. Um, and so I'm not sure if, if you had any premarital counseling on that and, you know, kind of just helping you understand what it will look like and what's ahead for you. Yes, we did, and I, I'm super thankful for that. I'm glad we did that. Anyone engaged or thinking about it, I highly recommend premarital counseling with a biblical aspect to it. So in last week's podcast, I mentioned my mentor in high school, Sterling Shanks. He's doing our wedding. Him and his wife were, did our premarital counseling, so that was a huge blessing, and we just got to talk through marriage and the biblical meaning and perspective of it, You know how to deal with conflict, how to communicate, and it was great because you know some of those issues and you know things are going to come up in life we're going to need to know how to face them and you know work on it together instead of you know attacking each other on it 
Uh, I just want to go back to something you said, Donnie. How yeah. old were you when you that story you were talking about? Um, I bet you fall asleep playing with Illinois and stuff. Yeah, like. so we're in 2023 right now, minus eight years. So I was 26. Mm. So, yeah, and Rachel was pregnant with our second as well during that, that whole season. So it was just wild, man. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask that because I, I think, like, for me, when I think of someone burning out, I imagine – like a 50-year-old guy that's, you know, been in a dead-end job for so long, he's just out there grinding. Right. But it's like, I don't, that's not realistic of what burnout is. Like, I mean, I could have burnout. I've been fortunate I hadn't had burnout yet. But I also don't have competing interest at the moment. <laughs> so. Uh, no, you're good. That's Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And so, Keith, back to you. Is, is there a specific fear that you have kind of going into marriage or – are you more more so excited about this new season of, of what's ahead for you guys? I know there's going to be challenges, you know, in our marriage in the future, like anyone's. But man, I'm just excited. You know, I I shared earlier, but we've been doing long distance. The main time we've been together is in the summers or on weekends, and I'm so excited to, like you said earlier, build a new phase of life mm-hmm. with my future wife. And you know, I know there's going to be times where. It gets tough, and you got to remember why you're doing it and what a marriage covenant is with your wife and the Lord. But, you know, I, I just think it's going to be green pastures, and I'm so <laughs> excited for it. That's the, awesome, man. We're so, so excited for you guys. Yeah, that's just exciting. To, to hear, like, young people talk about marriage, I think it's just awesome. Like, young people that love marriage, especially men, I think it's chastised in, mm-hmm. our, in our culture a lot. And it's like, dude, marriage is so awesome. Like... I'm getting to a point now where I'm like, I was on the phone with one of my buddies that I support um, in full-time ministry, and I was like, he's like, is there anything I can pray for you? I was like, honestly, for my heart, for like a wife and kids, I was like, that's what I like I'm gearing towards. I was like, it's just so awesome to see like someone actually love like the thought of being married. Yeah, that's been so refreshing for me as well, just to see your excitement, your joy of being an engaged man, and then it just... He's got a glow to him. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're not able to see it, but just the excitement of what's ahead because, dude, it's it's a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. It's geared towards a, a sanctifying sanctification process for the husband as well as the wife. And so uh, it's going to grow you, man. Uh, there's going to be some, 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 you know, molding and shaping, which is all good for you. But, uh, dude, I love being a husband, love being a dad, and... We are so excited for you, and um, we'll pray for you at some point. I know uh, you're part of our men's group on Thursday night as well, and so looking forward to praying praying for you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I had one thing I wanted to add. I'm a huge reader, you know, whether it's faith books or finance books. I think, you know, wanting to learn more is a huge part of how you grow as a person. And uh, my fiance's dad gave me a book called Point Man mm-hmm. and it, by Steve Farrar, and it was a fantastic book, and I think – that book really helped me understand that the manhood that our world values and seeks is a false version of manhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not fully fulfilling. It's not what we're called to be or do. And I think biblical manhood, you know, you don't have to get married, but I think that's you're stepping up to the plate to do that and you're understanding what it means to lead a family and be the point man. And I'd highly recommend that book to any man who wants to learn more about that or is going into a season of life like me. Incredible book. Yes, I've read it as well. And then 
two other books that I recommend on marriage is uh, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas and then uh, Timothy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. And, you know, Tim, Tim passed away at the end of last week. And so he had a huge impact on my life as well. Uh, the Reason for God, uh, The Prodigal God, just incredible author. He was able to articulate the gospel in such a clear and simple way and so grateful for his life and ministry. And so, okay, so let's transition kind of into December. So you graduated and then you started this new gig. So what does Tempest do? And then what's kind of their their mission statement? What do they pursue? Yeah, that's a great question. So I work for Tempest Realty Partners and they are a commercial real estate investment company. So we buy properties of different types, whether it be industrial, office, retail, all over the country really, but we focus on the heartland cities. So we kind of avoid the New York, the San Fran, where mm. it's oversaturated market and it's really competitive. We focus on you know, niche markets where we have local contacts that can help us and you know, understand more. So we, are kind of private equity real estate company. So we'll buy properties, but we'll raise capital from investors. So one thing I love about them is, you know, I'm sad, it's sad to say, but a lot of the financial industry is corrupt mm. with, with their values and they don't care for the investor. They don't have a fiduciary need or want to put the investor's interest above theirs. There's a lack of stewardship there. For sure. I, I, I can completely attest to that. And one thing I love about Tempest is they're investor friendly, they're investor focused. You know, I've sat in many meetings where we're talking about, is this best for the investors? You know, we, they want to align their goals with them. So obviously they're trying to make a profit and, you know, grow capital for investors and send it back out. But I just, it's so refreshing to see that, you know, hey, not every financial firm in the industry is only, only looking out for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a, it's such a joy to see that because at the end of the day, like that's a good gospel picture. I think it's all, I, which I love business more than anything but the Lord itself at the moment in my life. Um, but I do think it is just so awesome to, when you really see the gospel played out in business and that right there is just a clear example. Like, yes, this is my interest, but I'm, I'm stewarding what you got. You are my interest. And I think in our culture today, like anytime in business, you're not putting yourself first. I think that's a weird social non-norm. Yeah, I mean, moving away from a, a Christian culture into a postmodern culture, I mean, truth has become subjective and really the focus is me, myself, and I. And so I think you do see a lot of financial companies that are just rooted in profiting for themselves and, and not others or taking care of the communities they operate in for sure and you know it's refreshing and i know that you know that's something you're gonna have to stay on guard especially for me you know i need to make sure that you know i'm steward stewarding my money well and you know the tempest invests in you know charitable contributions and gives back to the community and i think that's great because it keeps me keeps that on my mind on i need to be doing that you know and i just love the picture like Kai was pointing out of, you know, it's not about me and I, and we might get into later leadership later, but I think that's a great way to live on leadership is what can I do for someone else and put their needs ahead of mine? Let's go straight into leadership. I love it, yeah. man. So how do you personally define leadership? 
That's that's a hard question. <laughs> I thought I thought about this a lot. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a huge book reader, so some great great books from Patrick Lencioni talk about leadership. But I would define it as servant leadership. You know, I put a biblical aspect to it of you know pick up your cross daily and mm. live that way. And I think a leader can either lead from the front or from the back. And I think the true leader leads from the front and is out there, you know, cutting down the weeds in front for their employees. But that the, the proper way to do it is to put the needs of your employees ahead of your own. Yeah. So we're, we're doing a manager recognition thing at work and like you had to give your favorite quote and mine's actually from Tim Keller and I'll just read it. Um, the most powerful kind of a leader is one who uses his or her authority ultimately to serve the ones being led. Like, mm, great quote. That's powerful, man. Yeah, it's hard to beat, beat old Tim talking on that one. So going back to leadership, who's the who's the best leader you've kind of looked up to and that what made that leader so unique? That's a hard question. I have a lot of leaders I've looked <laughs> up to. I got mine. Who do you have, Kai? Jesus. Okay. Uh, well, that's a cliche. <laughs> it's the right answer. Yeah, it's the right answer. Good one, Kai. I'm not sure. Yeah. Several to think of. Yeah, I've got multiple in different ways. I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, Chris Bruni, a finance professor at OBU, really helped me with how to be a leader in, you know, your career, but also faith. But I think it's okay to look up to mentors and leaders in different aspects of your life or call on one more for, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you hold me accountable? Yeah. Can you help me on my fit? Hey, in my career, I'm hitting a block. What did you do? So Mm. I think... I think I have multiple, and I think that's a great thing. That's awesome. Love that. What What about you? Yeah, several as well. Um, man, there's been so many good coaches throughout my rugby playing career, and then uh, just transitioning into the business world of, of having mentors that can really provide me with solid biblical counsel, uh, how to make good decisions, not only within my household, but also as a leader in business. And so, yeah, I've got several uh, good ones as well that I can mention. And so, uh, so what does a financial analyst do day in, day out? I'm curious. That's a good question. So I originally in early college thought I was going to go into wealth management. It's more of an advisor role. And what I'm doing now is a great blend of investments related, but also, you know, analyst related so it's a good blend but my day-to-day is pretty wide and I I love that I'm working at a 10-person company you know it's a small firm started in 2016 so you got to wear a lot of hats and I think that's great to build my skills and do multiple things so for example I said we're in the commercial real estate sector so you know we I, I will be the one trying to build the model for each deal and look at is it profitable what's our debt gonna be What's the cash flow look like? How long do we plan to hold it? That sort of thing. So I'll kind of take the offering that we get from brokers in different markets and I'll try and spit that out into an Excel model to where I bring it to the table in a meeting and we discuss it. But I do a lot more than that. You know, when we raise capital for deals, I'm building the positions. You know, I'm working on our CRM website, our investor portal that we have. So a lot of things, but it keeps my job interesting. It keeps it fun. I, I kind of don't just want to do one thing. Yeah, Amazon's structured the same way. I mean, like I get a little bit of HR, IT, safety um, here out throughout operations. 
I I think it's awesome to not just be stuck to one thing. I'm like you. I think I get really bored doing the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, our slogans, it's always day one. And, I mean, I, I think it's true. Like, there's always something you're learning. So, definitely, like, a key to not burning out mentioned earlier, like, just may try to wear a few different hats. Like, if you're out there in the business and you're getting burnt out, hey, try to expand, not necessarily vertical, but horizontal. Yeah. What are some things you wish you knew transitioning out of college into the, the so-called real world? It's a good question. So like you, Donnie, I'm, I'm a high performer, high achiever. I want to just be so good at something from day one. And one thing I've, I learned and I'm learning is it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, patience is so crucial. And that's something I've had to work on and will continue to the rest of my life. But I think just realizing and hearing from, you know, my mentors and my bosses that, hey, it's really going to take a couple of years for you to fully understand everything and really get to where it all is clicking, right? So I'm picking up on things, but I would just tell anyone about to start their career, be patient, uh, you know, continue to be hungry and learn. One thing for me is when I'm sitting in a meeting and they're talking about a term I've never heard, I write it down and I'll read an article about it later or I'll ask a question. I think you need to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I don't really know what this is. Can you explain it to me? And I think being teachable is huge. I think being hungry to learn is huge. Being humble enough to be like, I think I need some help with this. Uh, go ahead, Kai. Oh, you, you got it. I'll, I'll say what I got. Like. No, I think it comes from Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player. Fantastic. Uh, humble, book. hungry, and people smart, which is an incredible book. Highly recommend yes. it. Um, that's awesome, man. Kai, I'll kick it over to you. Oh, I was just gonna say, like those three principles. Like when I'm looking at who I'm gonna actually like build my team underneath me. Like when I'm adding in new people like whether it's amazon or like even like the guys that i try to rent my houses to like i'm trying to bring in hungry humble well and teachable like mm-hmm. especially like the teachable one i think is is very difficult to find now and like i've seen like like i'm if someone wants to come tell me something i'm here to listen i'm here to listen and learn i may not apply it because i just may not have an application for that but just being like vulnerable like you're saying saying hey i have no idea what you're talking about and especially early on in my career like i think that's what really helped me i, I was in a meeting with a bunch of people that knew a lot more than i did i was like what, what does this mean yeah like mm-hmm. i just tried to position myself between like so when we first started like we'd have all the all manager meetings and i'd sit by two guys that'd been there longer than anyone else and i like i remember one time a guy got on to me because i was taught that he thought we were just like kicking it in the back. I'm like, dude, I'm literally just asking questions. Like, I'm trying to understand, like, what this presentation is about. And um, I think, like, just being vulnerable would be like, dude, I'm literally, like, I don't care. Like, I'm trying to learn. Um, it is so crucial in today's world. Mm. Great leaders ask great questions. I think that's mm-hmm. another Lencioni quote or maybe even Maxwell one, but that's awesome, man. Okay, so now that you're in the real, real world, what is your kind of daily disciplines look like in terms of your relationship with the Lord? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'd say it starts with waking up with enough time in the morning to sit and read my Bible. So I'm, I'm a morning person. I just have that habit in me from, you know, swimming in college. So I will, you know, make breakfast and a cup of coffee and have time where I can pray and also go through a chapter or read a devotion 
I try and get in the word, whether it's a Proverbs a day or if I'm reading a certain book, but I just think I need that to really refresh my mind and say, okay, I'm going into this day. Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to, you know, stay hungry and help me to, you know, honor you and whatever I do. So I'd say that's been a huge one. And I also enjoy reading books and a huge part of it recently moving to Little Rock is, you know, trying to find community. Where am I going to fit in? And I think this Thursday men's group at Fellowship has been super helpful with that because I moved to Little Rock knowing a few people from OBU, but completely on my own. So that was scary and can be scary to people who are coming into that phase of life. But I'd say you kind of just got to get out there and do it. You got to go to church. You got to try and get plugged in and just see what happens. And our Thursday night men's group has been so just in, encouraging to me as well, going through the book of Romans and uh, just understanding the Apostle Paul's heart of being unashamed of the gospel. I mean, this guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten, tortured, and yet he was unashamed of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because he knew that it brings life and hope in, to to dead people, essentially, to dead bones, to breathe life into those dead bones and making them brand new and so yeah i don't know if you guys want to add anything being in that thursday night men's group and kind of what are some big takeaways you've had from the book of romans i think where we're at in america is a lot like rome Mm. and i think it's been very good for me to see like hey yeah like this is very applicable right now and like I, which I, I've always been okay with standing out. Like, don't get me wrong, but I think being able to read what he's saying and saying, "Hey, like we're we're called to stand out." Like, there's a reason why. Like, sometimes I get made fun of for being a Christian. Like, there is. Like, it's it should be noticeable, especially in our culture today. Like, oh yeah, that guy's different for some reason, even if they can't pinpoint it, just from a non-spiritual background, right? But I think being able to read Romans and read Paul, being like, "Hey, be unashamed." Like, just like you're a Christian, like it's the best the best thing you can ever do in your life is be a Christian. Like, why, why ever people, some Christians like don't want to like spread that? I, I honestly find that weird. Like, if you don't want to share the gospel and you're a Christian, like you you may want to go home and pray about that. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, what about you, Keith? That's a great point. I, I think I've learned so much through Romans. I think it's refreshing to really dig into a passage and say we're going to spend two hours breaking this down because I'm guilty of it just like everyone else some mornings you're a little rushed mm-hmm. you might have your 15-30 minute quiet time turn into a 5 minute one you know and that's still refreshing and amazing but I think knowing that there's application to be found when you dig in it is huge and personally for me you know just like I said, patience is a lifelong thing I need to work on. I mm-hmm. think pride can be also. And I love the aspect of the Jews and the Gentiles and how Paul really lets the Jews know, like, you're not better than them. You think you are, but we're all treated equal. We're all sinners. And Romans 5 eight, but God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I just think that's super practical for me to realize, hey, I'm saved. I'm not better than anyone who's not saved. I'm not I'm not a better Christian than anyone. We're all equal. We are who we are by the grace of God, man. That is such a powerful statement. It it, it should make us humble and depend on the Lord daily. 
because we need him. We, we're still sinners, redeemed by the grace of God. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's such good words, uh, Keith, and it really encouraging to kind of transition into uh, and close for, you know, part two. And so how would you define being a marketplace missionary? Well, Kai, you've got another one. Yeah, this is more of like a funny statement, but uh, it's it's true as well. Um, also, like when we're sitting here, they're diving in through the through the things. Um, it's with sermons too. Before I say this, but I'm I'm waiting for a day we go by the word therefore, and, and whoever's teaching the lesson it's like so let's ask what it is there for. I mean I don't know why. That's yeah, like, just, just that's to, my gospel pet peeve right there. Like I, yeah, it's therefore. Just to give you guys roll. some context, we uh, like I said we're we're teaching through the book of Romans and we are literally going through it word by word line by line and it's been it's been so good I mean if you've never done that before I highly encourage you to, to do it but apparently Kai does not like the word therefore or but uh, dude like <laughs> transitionary the, phrases the, the people that know me so well are like I can just see this man on the back row just <laughs> fuming over like why are we going through another transition word the transition word gets us to the next paragraph let's go there, and there's, there's so many transition words in the book of Romans and so I uh, I like asking Kai hey Kai what is what, are, what do you mean by therefore <laughs> I know I feel like everyone in the class now knows I don't like it and yeah. they all look at me but it's been really good it, it's been really good for my soul to be like okay I need to slow down because I'm high motor like I want to go, I want to get to the end. Let's 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 go. So, yeah. but it, I'll take off where you. Yeah, yeah. So from. back to my question: How do you personally define being a marketplace missionary? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to give my answer, and then I'm going to read a Bible verse that I think might. Oh, would love to hear well. that, man. So I'd say being a marketplace missionary means whatever market you're working in, you're you have a different task that's greater, right? So I'd say it's awesome and you should want to do your best and pursue whatever your passion is or whatever career you're in. But you should know at the end of the day, you're doing it for a different reason than the company, right? So I'd say it's just living out practically, like we talked about, you know, put the investor first, you know, care for your employees if you're a leader and just, you know, try and honor the Lord through your actions. I think that's a huge way to be a marketplace missionary. And then the scripture I want to read that might sum up being a marketplace missionary is from Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. And it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I just think that shows you're serving the Lord, mm. not the company at the end of the day. I love that, man. The focus is on the Lord and not ourselves. Uh, we're going to have to do a mic drop on that one. So unless you want to add anything, Kai. No, I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, that wraps up part two with Keith Matthews. If you guys have any questions, concerns, or comments, please reach out to us. Or if you just want a recommended reading list um, from part one or two um, with Keith Matthews, you can reach out as well. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And so please share it with your friends, your family, any college students or any recent college grads. We love you guys. We'll talk to you later.